This episode of ACMG Presents Talk Time Live is brought to you in part by Viewfinders Identity Search and Design. Your choice for web design, graphic design, and all multimedia development needs. Visit VFISAD.com and let us bring your vision to reality. Hey there, this is Kyle Abair, the voice of Gohan from Dragon Ball Super, and you are listening to ACMG Presents Talk Time Live. Excuse me, Gohan, this is more of a narrator type thing. Uh, okay. Just do it more like a, next time on Talk Time Live. Uh, next time on Talk Time Live. Don't quit your day job, Gohan. It's time. Talk time. Let's go. Anime, comics, movies, and games. Come on and let's get it. Talk time. Anime, comics, movies, and games. Come on and let's get it. Talk time. Anime, comics, movies, and games. Come on and let's get it. Talk time. Time. Anime, live. comics, movies, and games to come on and let's get it. Talk time live. Started in the 80s with Matt Cross. Dudes in the hood might have called that soft, but I carried that cross like Jesus did. Fast forward, I teach the kids to learn how to let go, live life, and show love to all things that don't matter where y'all from. And luckily, there's a show called Talk Time. We've been waiting for this for a long time. Dax kicks the facts on all the geek news, special guests, and unbiased reviews. Suburban kids, the hipster street dudes, all can learn something new me too i heard words with no faith is empty i stayed the course though my haters tempt me beep the podcast that'll make them envy it ain't too trendy it's acmg anime comics movies and games to come on and let's get it talk time anime comics movies and games to come on and let's get it talk time anime comics movies and games to come on and let's get it talk time anime comics movies and games to come on and let's get it talk time live Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the journal of my life that covers all things anime, comics, movies, and games. This is ACMG Presents Talk Time Live, the Prime Show. I am your host, Xavier Josiah. We got a really fun show for you today, and this is the final Talk Time Live of 2023. After this, I'm going to take a break, and I know Aquaman is coming out. I know What If is coming out next week, and I will follow up with that eventually, uh, probably during our best of 2023 because that will be angled into that if one of which is probably the best of um but no i will give my thoughts on that i will add that in to the best of 2023 episode uh but you know it's time of the year i'm going to take a break it's christmas time it's going to be new year's after that um we all need to take breaks every once in a while but that does not mean i'm going to leave you empty-handed i got a couple of exclusive rewinds that i'm gonna throw up and one of which i thought was on air already uh it's on my youtube version it was heavily viewed and liked on that version um my interview with tom Givis, the voice of shikamaru naru from naruto uh i don't understand how that one didn't make it up on my new platform but i will be gladly upload that one for you guys to check out it's one of my favorites um i keep thinking i keep saying i want to get him back on and i'm trying to figure out when and for what reason but um he was great to have on the show and it's been a while since we have him i think i had him on maybe 2018 or 19 um right before we did the naruto panel definitely that um 
I have him on my contacts so I can reach out to him at any time. It's just a matter of when and what time and, you know, what's the best deal. But I want to get him onto a video platform because when I interviewed him, I wasn't doing video. That's how far back that was. Um, so I have the first interview that I did because we we worked together twice. I interviewed him on this show. I also worked I when I moderated the panel for um, the Naruto panel in 2020. Uh, he was part of that cast as well. So it's it would be interesting to talk to him now because, you know, we went through the pandemic and, you know, he started touring again and all this stuff and different cons and all this stuff. Um, he was he's continuing to work with Baruto, the Baruto series. So I am possibly going to see about getting him on in 2024. Uh, I just got to text him <laughs> pretty much and. I'm sure we could work something out on that news. So stay tuned for that and I'll get him back on this time in video form as well. But for now, I will add him on for the holiday and uh, get you guys up and running for that. The other one is a very old interview with the co-creator of Ren and Stimpy and that is Bob Camp. Uh, that was a really awesome one because I grew up with Ren and Stimpy. Ren and Stimpy was one of the greatest cartoons ever and it was just a awesome that i was able to get him on the show and he was able he was willing to come on that show this is way back when i had a cast of crew of people so it's like it's another one of those like the tc carson episode that had multiple people on there so we will be uh posting that one up as well so you know there'll be some great interviews to put up you know for the next two weeks that you guys can uh check out and uh really get down and you know get to know these really awesome people that i had the pleasure of having on this show really um you know this is going to probably our ninth year and i gotta tell you it's a really awesome journey of things i'll be able to do with this and i i tell you what man this is just it's just been fantastic it's just been fantastic i am very honored to be on the path that i was in and you know getting a chance to talk to people that I've been able to and connect with the people that I've been able to and reach out and, you know, become friends with some of them. And it's just been a great journey. You know, I'm going to be reaching what 47 years old <laughs> this time. And I get to look back at a crazy life. Um, and in life that I really think that like, I didn't realize I didn't, I'd never thought I would actually do because if you guys, for those who know me, man, I shouldn't be here. There's still a couple few times where I shouldn't be here. Like I've been involved in some really crazy things and involved with some really crazy people and people I probably shouldn't have been around. And some of that led to me almost, you know, causing me, you know, I've been through some, some, you know, mental, I want to say mental health issues, but I had my, you know, when I was 16, I had my issues. So that led to me, you know, getting to a, getting to a dark place and all this stuff. But I managed to get myself out that dark place, and I am really happy that I fought through that. I'm really happy because I would have missed out on a lot of this. I would have missed out on a lot of things that, you know, I've been privy to today. Like I wouldn't be able to get to have some really cool people in my life. Um, I wouldn't be married. I wouldn't be like, if I didn't just fight through and really understand my value in life, none of this would happen. So I will say this to people 
especially people who are listening who are going through their own trial and tribulations right now and you know mental health situations and, and, and challenges fight for your worth there's something in there among all of you that really there's something worth fighting for guaranteed you can find it this it, it there's too much are in the world for you not to find something that is worthwhile for you and once you find it hold on to it and fight for it and then fight for yourself and realize your value within it because that's one of the reasons why i was able to make it through because i saw my own value and it wasn't easy if i didn't see it nobody else is going to see it because there's a lot of people who won't try to see it and they will try to ignore it and you got to make a lot of noise out there so you know make that noise make it happen make them see you and uh be who you want to be and do what you got to do then also reach out to people who you could trust even if it's you know getting a therapist which i highly recommend because i have one myself um reaching out to whoever you feel that will keep you comfort and warm out there um whether it's a therapist a friend or a family member go out there especially during this holiday season um which is usually usually a very hard thing to do looked up on the yahoo and they said 38 percent of people during the holidays are stressed out and it is true it like not everybody enjoys the holidays it's too much pressure out here and if you're one of those people like me who really don't favor the holidays me my reasons is because i grew up a jehovah's witness so that's my reason for you know not being it you know enjoying the holidays as much and you know it's not the fault of the holiday itself but i know there are a lot of people who do not enjoy the holidays because you know it's too much pressure um you're not going to be able to celebrate it the way everybody else is celebrating it and all the stuff and you're around family and friends and some people may have issues with their family and friends at this time look out for those people comfort those people as much as possible but also understand that they may not want to be involved in that situation find a way to bring them comfort during the holidays find a way for you if you're that person to find your peace during the holidays so you know enjoy it however you want in any way you want but just find your peace all of you in some form or fashion all right with that said all that said we got a really fun show with you today and i've been waiting to talk about this talk topic because we're gonna review i'm gonna give my thoughts on netflix's next live action adaptation attempt on an anime classic and a manga classic actually is yu yu Hakusho, and why everybody not everybody why are most hardcore anime fans otaku if you will are so excited about this because this was one of the greatest anime series of all time like this was only second to dragon ball z in the 90s and i am so happy that they are getting their flowers finally and there's being such an attention being put onto this franchise because i thought it was a long overdue now the question is did they get it right and there's going to be some pros and cons in my thoughts in this and um overall is it worth watching we're going to talk about that and give my i'll give my thoughts on that for sure there's definitely a discussion happening right now about it and one of which i think everybody agrees with <laughs> that we're going to talk about as well so stay tuned for that but we got other news going on so like an unfortunate news that we're going to start off with so 
let's not waste any more time, folks. Let's find out what's new in the world of ACMG. And now it's time to find out what's new in the world of ACMG. We're going to start with the passing of actor Andre Breuer. You may not recognize the name to some, but you recognize that voice. And once you recognize that voice, you recognize that face, especially if you watched a awesome, hilarious TV sitcom called Brooklyn Nine-Nine, most known for his role in Captain as Captain Raymond Holt on that show. And it was one of my all time. Like, I love cop comedies, like dating back to Police Academy. You know, with the movie with like Mahoney played by, um, you know, Steve Gutenberg and all the antics that they went to. Brooklyn Nine-Nine was on that same kick. But Raymond Holt was kind of the captain or commandant Lassard, but not a dimwit. He was more straight and narrow. Um, like he, he where Andre did really well, he added some dry humor and deadpan humor to it. And he perfected it. It was so awesome. He was great on that show. Um, and uh, that show lasted like eight seasons. Like if you if you make it past one, that's great. But if you make it past, you make it up to eight seasons and then the season ends on a great note, which it did. <laughs> one of the greatest endings of all time, in my opinion, of a, of a TV show. Um, they ended on a great note and eight seasons, that's extremely successful. So I got a binge in his honor again, because that was just awesome. But you also seen him in roles as uh, in Law and Order, Law and Order SVU, in House, for instance, from a comic book uh, standpoint, he was General Hager, and what I fight, what I argue, is one of my favorite guilty pleasure movies. That's Fantastic Four: Rise of the Silver Surfer. Like, say what you will about that movie, y'all was digging that movie all the way up until the very end of the Galactus Cloud. I get it. That was bogus. People didn't want it. People wasn't, you know, swaying it. But if they show Galactus, like if we do a what if, like what if they actually show Galactus the same way that Marvel Universe show Ego and all these other, um, you know, the ancestral gods or whatever like that now because they got the budget to do it. They didn't have the budget when uh, Rise of the Silver Surfer came out or the technology to, you know, be able to pull that off. So they did smoke and mirrors and smoke and mirrors didn't work for people. So I still liked it up until that point, but that doesn't just because they did what they did at the end. I don't believe that. I, I think that the Tim story, you know, sequel gets a bad rap because if people didn't like the first one, they wouldn't have came for the second one. And I remember when that trailer came out, people was all hyped for that. When they saw Silver Surfer going up against um, against uh, the Human Torch, you know, Chris Evans at the time. So people were more excited for that. And I remember being in a theater. I remember seeing General Hager, who was, you know, part of the military and they wanted to, you know, pretty much dissect Silver Surfer, but they used Doom to help them out with that. And that became a situation as well. And he played a very hard nosed general as he should. He's, he played it very well on air. 
but I dug it all the way up to that point. And I, yeah, I agree with people like that. That part sucked, but that the rest of it was awesome. And people in the theater was digging it too. It just got quiet and went Silver Surfer went to get to Galactus. We didn't really see Galactus. So, um, but here's another tidbit that uh, people need to check out. And as far as DC animated movies, this was one of my still, this is on my list of one of all time favorite DC animated films. And the one that really, honestly, it really kicked off a new tempo of how DC would do their movie, um, their action scenes. Superman, Batman, Apocalypse. Freaking awesome. And what I did know, and it's, this is also awesome, is that Andre played Darkseid. And Darkseid was ridiculously, like we talk about Thanos. He was on Thanos level in this deal and what happens at the end of that um of that movie if you have not seen superman batman apocalypse if you own max if you own netflix because you know netflix now has the rights to uh have a lot of wbd content on their platform now which is still weirding me out the direction that warner brothers discovery is doing um go find that movie it is awesome it's Superman, Batman, and Supergirl. And they're going up against Darkseid and in, in, in Apocalypse. And man, it's the, 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 the very end. When I mean, you think all is over, <laughs> boy, <laughs> whoever wrote that, that deal was just incredible. So it's one of my all time favorites, but he played Darkseid on there too. So he will be absolutely, it broke my heart to find out that he passed away because he died at the age of 61 way too early way way too early and um he was i think uh the reason for his death um is that he was he he uh it was some, he was ill he had some ill uh i don't know if they're gonna call it disease or whatnot but let me see if i can look this up real quick and let me see tesla recall here we go okay here we go Okay, uh, according to TMZ, Andre recently done 153 episodes of Brooklyn Nine Nine. That is that is great success. Um, he also played a homicide too. I forgot to mention that City of Angels. He was in a lot of, lot of things. Um, let me see. Still know nothing on what he what it was the cause of death nonetheless doesn't matter to be honest at the end of the day we lost a real gem in hollywood and uh he will be dearly missed absolutely dearly missed um rest in peace and uh hearts prayers and and you know thoughts to all the friends family and fans out there it's just it's it's sad it, it really broke my heart because i really enjoyed his performances his talent and everything in there so the good thing about you know stuff like this when somebody of that caliber passes away, this is the part when they kind of live immortal because we'll be able to celebrate and enjoy his work throughout time. You know, we'll, all this stuff is going to be around forever. As long as TV is still around, as long as we still have a planet, I don't know how long it's going to be but <laughs> with everything going on, but he will always be, he will always be able to be celebrated for years on end. 
for his performances, you know, wherever you, you know, see him on. So rest in peace, my brand. And thank you for all that you've done. So, all right. In other news, next week, we are counting down the days for the second season of What If. Season two is coming and they announced their entire schedule of episodes. If you guys remember, it premieres on the 22nd and every single day from that point, we get a different episode. So, and, and we're going to talk about another trailer that just dropped last night too after this. And I didn't have my notes, but I got to put it out there because, oh, it's going to be awesome. And they left us with a surprise on that one too. So, all right. On the 22nd, what if episode number one? There's going to be nine episodes here. They're about a half hour each. One, two, three, four. So technically four and a half hours of um, of episodes. And it'll start with join, jo- um, what if Nebula joins the Nova Corps? It's going to be an interesting episode right there. Um, is she going to be the Nova? Because, you know, in the MCU, it's Nova Corp, but like in the comics, it's Nova Corp, but there's Nova, which is like one of the main characters of one of, of the uh, champions out there and in formerly of the new warriors as well. So they have not really debuted that version of Nova in the MCU yet. So we'll it'll be interesting to see what they do with this and what part Nebula plays on there. Episode two, the next day on the 23rd, Peter Quill attacks Earth's Mightiest Heroes. That's going to be interesting. And I wonder if... Um, that's the thing. I I don't know who, if they're going to have um, the actual people do the, uh, do the series. Like, it, I don't know if Chris Pratt is going to, you know, reprise that role in this. Because some people... He would... I, I would believe that he possibly would some last if you guys remember last uh season some actors did come back to reprise the role as they you know you know chadwick boseman came back as t'challa um josh brolin came back as thanos um there was a lot of actors that played there that reprised their role from the actual live action version but also there were some who didn't chris evans didn't come back tom holland didn't come back robert downey jr didn't come back and they had like the the guy who played Tony Stark on the animated series reprised uh, that role for Tony Stark. They got somebody to sound just like Chris Evans and they got somebody to slightly sound like Tom Holland as well on air. Like they pulled it off, but it wasn't them. Um, Chris Helmsworth was Thor on air as much as, as well as Tom Hiddleston. He came back, uh, Samuel L. Jackson came back, but not everybody. So I'm wondering if, um, Chris Pratt is going to come in as Peter Quill. I would, I would, most believe that he would come back to play this. So it'll be interesting. I, and I forgot the actress, uh, actor's name that did Nebula, but she also reprised the role as well. So I'm expecting her to do this one too. Uh, definitely, we're going to see John Favreau come back as Happy Hogan because episode three, What If Happy Hogan Saves Christmas is on air. And we hear not only hear his voice in the trailer as he's playing a John McCain a la, you know, Die Hard on here. He's also with Darcy played by Kat Dennings. Kat Dennings is coming back as their role too. So I think there's going to be an assortment of actors that are going to be reprising their roles. Just a matter of which one is which. Episode four. What if Iron Man crashed into the Grandmaster? Now, if you've seen the trailer, then you saw an episode where they pretty much are in a Mad Max 
type of roller derby type of environment there and there's some type of death race if you will so i think that's the episode that's going to lead into that and that's that episode is going to be pure comedy I, I can't wait to see that episode that one i think is going to be absolutely awesome um the next episode is episode five what if captain carter fought the hydra stomper and captain carter's coming back now i think a lot of some of these episodes are follow-ups from what happened last episode my question is which captain carter is this because what if episode we saw what happened when she went into um you know that portal which led her to go into the future and she became you know shared the same fate as uh, steve rogers we also saw her in dr strange as another variant of 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 captain carter but we also know what happened at the, at the hands of um scarlet witch so is this the same captain carter or is just another variant of captain carter i don't know or maybe it's just based on a certain time frame i don't know it'd be very interesting but also i knew it's uh, obvious Haley atwell will be returning as her role as captain carter as well so that would be interesting episode six is going to be very interesting i think this one is going to involve that new character that they're creating just for this uh show and uh and this is a character that's not even in the actual marvel Comics series but if this goes off well she most likely will appear in the marvel comics uh universe as well kahari reshapes the world i have no idea who uh kahari is my thoughts is that that's that new native american character that they created for this and that's going to be interesting because apparently this character has a very powerful ability that um we're gonna actually see so it'll be interesting to see what, what happens with that episode seven on the 28th what if hella found the 10 rings i am possibly of all episodes i'm very interested in that one that is going to be the equivalent of when ultron got the infinity stones uh it'll be interesting to see what we're going to see because we did see uh shang chi in there as well so i'm, I'm wondering if uh simu lee will be making his i, I think he will I think he's going to reprise his role. I, I would be surprised if he does it because he's so new at everything right now. He's so wanting to get every opportunity as possible. And he he's he's he just seems like a guy who's just down for whatever. You know, you know, we already see, seen him on uh, Barbie, which, by the way, you know, off key Barbie is officially on Max now for those who didn't see it like myself. So me and my wife are going to finally see what the big deal is, is about that movie. And he's in that as well, as well as Ryan Gosling and everybody else, yada, yada. So we'll see what the big deal is about that movie and see what happens from there. Uh, but he is involved in here. Shang-Chi will be making an appearance in that episode as well. And I'm looking forward to seeing that. Um, episode eight. What if the Avengers assembled in 1602? This was another, you know, part of the trailer that we saw where we saw T'Chaka the original uh the black the father of t'challa team up with winter soldier and a few other people i believe hank pym uh was on air as well so um i it's going to be interesting to see that one i am looking forward to it because that's going to be a whole different assortment of avengers for that time frame the last episode episode nine on the 30th strange supreme intervened that's going to be interesting because i think this is a follow-up from what happened with that doctor strange character last uh you know uh season if you guys remember this is the one that wanted to keep saving um i forgot her name his his um 
his love interest that's on the movie uh rachel mc uh adams uh I, I, I'm mess. I'm gonna butcher her name. Uh, I think it's Rachel McAdams. I believe. Don't hurt me if I got that wrong. But um, he was trying to save her multiple times, and it just didn't happen. And he started, you know, using the dark hold to try to just be able to control everything, and it just took him over. So he finally had to. He had to really confine himself to protect everybody else because he destroyed a whole entire universe as a result. So. It'll be interesting to see where they go with that one. But that's all of the episodes that is coming starting next week on the 22nd, which is on the same day as the new Aquaman movie that is coming out as well, as well as um, Rebel Moon, which is coming out as well. And speaking of Rebel Moon, early reviews are in and they are not good, according to critics on Rotten Tomatoes. Critics on Rotten Tomatoes. All right, here's the thing that we should that we all know. If you're listening to this, I'm pretty sure you go on to Rotten Tomatoes and you know one thing is always for sure. It's a rarity to have critics, movie critics, whoever they consider themselves a movie critic, actually agree with something that the audience is going to agree with, which is always funny to see because it's like, Critics is looking for one thing in the movies, no matter what movie it is, they're looking for a particular, um, you know, categories to critique a movie. Audience is going in just looking at like, am I going to be entertained for the entire time? And if I'm entertained, screw what the critics say. I half of the stuff that the critic that critics like, the you know, Siskel's and Ebert's if the world and what mind you, which at one point people really were influenced by what Siskel and Ebert was. And if you don't know who Siskel and Ebert is, you know, they were legendary movie critics. They had their own show back in the eighties and, and such like that. And so to a point that whenever they would give thumbs up or thumbs down or something, people would listen. And they were heavily influenced by that. Some, which is funny. Cause later on, I think what near the end of their, you know, of their careers, they started, giving thumbs up to, to movies i never thought they would get thumbs up to like one of them i'd never forget it one of which was booty call um the jamie fox movie the jamie fox and tommy davidson movie like booty call like they both loved that movie i was like what <laughs> not not to say that you know, they shouldn't but i was surprised because they normally wouldn't you know really dig a movie like that but they really liked it and i was like okay that's a new twist i never thought you know that's something that we would normally like they wouldn't you know but again when it comes to rotten tomatoes we see this often happen critics will give it a low score and we're at a day and age now where social media is giving everybody the power of opinion so there's still some people who can you know uh activate influence if you will but at the end of the day when it comes to movies especially people have do have their own opinion and they do use it to, to to let people know whether they like it or not regardless of what the critics say and that is a good thing that is absolutely a good thing in this case when it comes to social media so the the critics tomato tomato meter score at this time is at a 23 percent and this is for people who got a chance to get an early screening of this movie audience score however the people who got to see this early is 72 percent 
and that is very interesting now to also take note there's something that happens often as well which kind of screws everything up is that we get people who go on to imdb who go into rotten tomatoes and other major you know uh you know movie viewer movie review sites and they sabotage a movie they will sabotage a movie which is totally unethical but that's what they could do they have the ability to do it there let it let it be a you know a female lead let it be a woman of color or something like that they will immediately try to bomb a movie before it even comes out and this is a thing this is a real thing that happens today it, it's it's really sad that it happens and it really gets on my nerves that it happens because it's mostly insecure men who are too afraid of change and too afraid to allow people to have their time um like for instance we got a trailer just last night on the uh brand new coming soon episode of echo we got it just dropped last night and we got a big surprise of this episode it's not only coming january 9th but all five episodes will be released at once which is absolutely fantastic and what we got to see in this trailer was was awesome we got to see echo just beat the living crap out of people it is it is going to be they automatically put viewer discretion advised we see the kingpin on air you know with a bloody hand they're sticking with the with the with the actual daredevil vibe from the netflix series so all that staying this is going to be the first tvma uh series to that for disney plus to ever come out with especially when it comes to marvel so they're sticking to that level this is going to be awesome um and we're gonna see this we're gonna see this woman do her thing i'm fully for this i'm supporting this it looked awesome but we got people who are automatically trying to sabotage this before it even comes out we got people who are automatically trying to say it's going to be crappy like you haven't even seen the damn thing yet like say that after the fact like I, one one guy was like i could tell she was throwing fake but i'm like no you can't do what the hell you do for a living are you a fight choreographer no shut up and sit down you're like it's just putting a whole negative spin before you even see it. it's like trying to throw self-fulfilling prophecies in the head of people to convince them that this is going to be bad before they even seen them, uh, the show we're going to see the show on january 9th and i got a feeling this show is going to be awesome you know and whether daredevil and fisk is on air or not i think this, this show is going to be awesome regardless but if you know what's a problem too and I, I talked about this before is that a lot of these fans a lot of these fans are only fans of the mcu we got people and i i will i can attest to this because i had a conversation with a guy who was who had no idea that iron man wasn't a top tier character he became a fan of the marvel cinematic universe he was never a fan of the marvel comic universe had he been a fan of the marvel comic universe then he would have known that iron man was like a second tier character in the series and they banked on the idea that iron man was going to be successful and they 
did thanks to john favreau and thanks to the performance of um robert downey jr but in the comic books he was nowhere he was not on the level of spider-man he was not on the level of captain america he was not on the level of x-men he was a second tier dude and i had to tell this dude and they, there were people that were debating me about it but none of these people never read the comics if you look if give the 90s boom period for instance the 90s boom period which was like the most successful era of comic books even though they were getting bankrupt and all the stuff but they were still one of the most pop it became it became crossover fame in the 90s yes financially they did some things stupidly but at the same time jim lee rob liefeld mark silvestri eric larson todd mcfarlane all those guys became a household name because of their work on that on that deal now as far as distribution they that's where they screwed up because they did a little bit too much out there and they were doing too much and but the popularity like all the movies that we're seeing right now a lot of the stories in the first in, in, in the infinity saga are based on the 90s popularity of those books but i will say this iron man was not a top tier character at that time now he was yes by the time civil war came out yes he was a main character because they patterned it that way because they were promoting the movie when civil war came out so they had to boost him up in the, com in the comics there was strategy but he was never that character hell in the infinity gauntlet the infinity gauntlet he was not even the main character he did not defeat thanos like he did in infinity war in the comics he never it was adam warlock who came at thanos that's who they were going that's who was the main dude who took over he 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 like got he beat thanos and then went on to create the infinity watch if you read the comics you would understand that but iron man was nowhere in the vicinity of being a main character in the original infinity uh gauntlet but infinity war and endgame yeah he's robert downey jr so they're gonna put him in that they're gonna create the storyline for that version that, that 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 multiverse version of the of the story to make it as, as iron man was the one for this he just if not for robert downey jr and and john favreau he wouldn't have been there you know just and, and he we know what's even best about it the comic book gods were watching and they were monitoring the watcher was probably watching and somehow some way i fell into proof of this when i was looking at i i own xfinity comcast xfinity and i also watch viceland which is the channel that does a bunch of documentaries and all this stuff one of which just happened to be on at that very time and that one it was a it was a series called unearth and a covered an entire series on how the marvel cinematic universe actually played uh and how they created together and all the stuff that they went through all of the things that we didn't know and i highly recommend you go watch this documentary it is one of the best that i've ever seen because not not only did they talk about all the obstacles that they had to go through to get the first phase of the marvel cinematic universe going they talked about iron man they talked about you know ed norton and all the craziness that he put people through and why everything was 
damn near almost didn't happen they talked about thor like they they run through the entire first phase and all the obstacles that they went through we also get to see footage from certain movies that we never seen like footage of the incredible hawk that i've never seen before this stuff that ed norton scenes that ed norton was in and, and he did and we and we do we never seen the behind the scenes of this stuff it was crazy but one of the episodes and it absolutely says on that episode it says marvel banked on <laughs> a second tier character and the whole episode was how john favreau was banking on the idea of creating iron man in hopes that they can actually make something of this and be successful and doing it based on iron man was a huge risk at the time because it wasn't spider-man they didn't have the rights to spider-man they didn't have the rights to um fantastic four and all the other well-known characters every other well-known character they didn't have the rights to but they had the rights to iron man and it was a bank because it was it wasn't guaranteed that like iron man was going to be there here is it it's icons on earth that's the name of the documentary on um vice if you own xfinity you can find these episodes and rewatch them at any time it I, it's episode it's season four episode two it aired on um march of 2023 march 14 2023 and it says taking control here's the here's the story here's um the uh the story of this marvel and, and it says marvel risk everything betting all on a second tier character called iron man that was all the proof i needed now what really backs this up is because if you actually watch the episode it validates everything i was i was debating and arguing about this and i put this i took a picture of that and put it on there and just that was a drop mic moment i left but also if you watch that episode there are people in the industry todd mcfarland uh, uh the guy the, the guys who you know writers and, and and artists behind the actual comic book all saying that iron man was not an actual top tier character he was always i've read those books back in the day i know how popular iron man was back in the day he was not as popular as, as all the ones that i said there was fantastic four there was x-men there was spider-man there was captain america and then there was iron man if like the whole entire avenger lineup was one it wasn't even the most popular in the 90s x-men took over all that which is why we saw a x-men movie way before we saw an avengers movie avengers movie came out because we've already done x-men movies now we need something new and there was nothing left else to do but that turns out the avengers was the way more popular one because it had the right writers and right directors and it was taking off of everything that was already out now so that episode validated everything i highly recommend you watch that series from episode one it is fantastic it's very informative you'll hear from so many people who worked on not only the marvel cinematic universe but also the marvel comic universe and you'll learn things that you've never got a chance to learn for before in the marvel cinematic universe and it also takes you back to everything that went on during those times everything my only beef and i hope that they did find a way to continue this is that they stopped right around the time 
when Sony gave the rights to Spider-Man to Marvel Cinematic Universe. I hope, I hope and pray that they do this episode and because there's so much we need to cover. They also talked about another comic book series that I also mentioned too, because how this started was one of the people, one of the people on social media, you know, one of these C students out there, they basically said that Echo wasn't important and that she would never be an important character. I debated, I, and that's what this would led to all this. I also I debated like, well, at some point, neither was Iron Man nor the Guardians of the Galaxy, but they became a household name now, especially guard, not even just Iron Man. Iron Man, Iron Man has had his moments in the sun, but it didn't really do as well. Guardians of the Galaxy was a even bigger risk because nobody outside of the comic book universe knew what the Guardians of the Galaxy was. And the ones that did, we knew that it was like one of the most obscure books out there. Like, it's like, I can't believe they're going to try this. Of all franchises, they're going to try Guardians of the Galaxy. Thank goodness for James Gunn, which is why I still question why people are worried that he's going to be able to pull off what he did um, in the DC uh, universe. We already saw what he did with the Suicide Squad. We already saw what he did with Peacemaker. I have all the confidence in the world from this guy to be able to pull this off. So I'm not worried. But that's what led to this is that somebody didn't, you know, they're going to talk, you know, they're going to talk about like Echo is not going to be an important character. Well, guess what? Tony Stark wasn't an important character either. Guardians of the Galaxy weren't an important character either. Look what happened. You get the right writer, you get the right producer, you get the right director. They're going to make him a household name. That's what Marvel has done. They have gone out of their way to make these people well known. Did all of them make it successfully? Not the Eternals, <laughs> at least not yet. Not the, uh, not the Inhumans. When they get cosmic, that's when it gets a little bit iffy because even in the comic books, you know, um, in, in the world, in, in the comic book universe, and a lot of those cosmic episodes weren't really the best. And there's an episode where they talk about Thor as well in this in this uh, Icons on Earth series, and they basically and it it basically said the same thing that I've always said about Thor because they're so Shakespearean with that comic book. It comes off as a little bit boring to people who are not fans of Shakespeare, you know. Um, the dialogue and everything was very Shakespearean, and only a certain amount of people is is down with that so that's why when they brought it to the you know the big screen they kind of humanized him and made him a little bit more relatable and likable because if he kept doing that shakespearean style you know persona and dialogue it wouldn't have kicked off and it wouldn't have been as successful they had to dilute that just a little bit for the film because not everybody's all into that so they humanized him by the time they got to like Ragnarok and, and um and he worked with the Avengers. So it just comes off like he's assimilated into the ideology and the ways of Earth more than anything. So now he's, you know, which I think is it, it makes sense for them to do. But that is basically how this entire thing came off. So people, don't I don't understand why we still do this to this day. Why are we still making a mistake of judging things before we even see it? We, 
how many times are we gonna make that mistake we've made that mistake dating back all the way to 89 batman like in 89 nobody none of us saw or thought that like michael keaton was gonna be a good batman and we were wrong we were absolutely wrong we found out that we now say that michael keaton is one of the greatest batmans of all time he's one of the best bruce waynes of all time it that wasn't the way we thought when we first started because we those who were around during that time we know michael keaton for being a comedic actor night shift and a whole bunch of other mr mom and all these other shows taking on a, a big role of batman was a huge huge thing and only tim burton had the vision of understanding that they could get over that when that movie came out we were all shocked and awed at how awesome he was in that role and believable in that role so why haven't we learned our lesson now why have we learned our lesson to this day hugh jackman we didn't even know who the hell hugh jackman was <laughs> but when we finally saw what this dude looked like in in in, in full mutton chop form we shut up immediately we constantly keep making that mistake. Why are we making that mistake? People do not, let's not be prejudiced. Hence on the, on, on the root of that, prejudge. Let us not prejudge anything until we see it because we've done this so many times before. We've proven that we're not experts in perspective. We can't really know what, some things you do get that vibe and it's a rarity. We do get that vibe like, ooh, this doesn't look real. I will give another one that knights of the zodiac movie that i saw a while back like i thought it was going to be like another kind of 90s cheaply done deal and turns out it really wasn't as bad as i thought it was it was actually better than i thought it was after watching it but you won't know until you actually watch so let's not judge a damn thing until we see what we can see and people also read a damn book a comic book or whatever every once in a while can you please because i'm tired of people thinking that they know what the hell they're talking about in terms of the marvel cinematic universe but never read the comics and yes they do kind of take liberties with those stories but a lot of it is pretty close to source okay so i, I just need us to really be more rational and i will say this all the time because it keeps being proven all the time Social media does not hide one's intelligence. It exposes it. And if you don't understand what that means, you're a part of the problem. And you're one of the people with a low GPA. <laughs> In this case, I'm just putting it to you like that. But yeah, please, people, um, we really need to get ourselves together and stop judging everything as if we are experts in everything and anything. So there you go. All right. So last thing i want to talk about is the return of axel foley he is coming back we finally are getting the new beverly hills cop movie it is called beverly hills cop axel foley it is coming out 2024 summer 2024 on netflix mind you it is a netflix exclusive don't think that is because on netflix is not going to be done they put a lot of money in these damn movies Trust me, if you watch uh, Day Shift with Jamie Foxx, they are putting in a lot of money in these movies. Um, we're gonna we're gonna talk about Yu Yu Hakusho and what they did for that one too. So, um, but Axel Foley is coming back. Eddie Murphy is back as Axel Foley. Not only is he back, 
um a lot of a lot of the cat original cast from the original two uh three movies are making a comeback it is going to be very interesting um what's going to happen here they got a teaser trailer to show um a little bit of a more older axel foley and more like we're we're seeing a bunch um judge reinhold judge reinhold is coming back and uh i forgot the other guy's name who was the other cop the, the other cop with him but they're all coming back they're a lot older than they were in the 80s because remember this came out in the 80s and the late 80s and the 90s and whatnot and um this is gonna be fun i'm looking forward to this we've been look we've been waiting for a new beverly hills cop movie for almost damn near two decades oh damn near 20 years as a matter of fact beverly beverly hills cop the original beverly hills cop came out oh my god 1984 beverly hills cop came out in 1984 are you kidding me oh that is crazy beverly hills 2 cop 2 came out in 87 beverly hills cop 3 came out in 94 so after 94 we've been waiting waiting and waiting for this to come out now there were a lot of things and rumors talked about this new one. It was supposed to have a younger Axel Foley in here. Like, not a younger Axel Foley, but his son was supposed to be on here, too. There was supposed to be a series based off of this that was supposed to star his son and all that. I don't know if that it looks like, obviously, they're not going with that now. Um, and it looks like they're going, you know, hey, with just Axel being Axel and doing this thing. I don't know if he's going to have a son or whatever like that, but... Um, the teaser trailer is out. I'm excited for this. It looks pretty awesome. And uh, coming out 2024, summer. So we got a we got a summer comedy blockbuster coming. Damn sure for real. I am going to be reviewing that. Um, last time I believe he did a Netflix movie was the uh, story of Dolomite, which was fantastic. I believe he got nominated for an Oscar for that movie too. If I'm correct, I could be wrong, but. He played Dolomite and that was, I gotta watch that movie again. That movie was so awesome. He 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 knocked that out the park. That was a, such an awesome movie. If you haven't watched that movie with Eddie Murphy in there and why Eddie Murphy is one of the dopest comedians of all time, go watch that. It was such a great, it was a great, great, great movie and a great story. So go out to check all that out. Netflix is giving you a reason to keep subscribing to that brand. I mean, it's honestly, I mean, what they're doing now, what we're about to do in the next segment, it's going to give you a reason why to invest in Netflix. So with that said, that will do it for this portion of what's new in the world of ACMG. So we're going to take a break. We're going to come back. And I'm going to talk about one of my all-time favorite animes now in live adaptation form. And that is Yu Yu Hakusho, a new series that Netflix has come out with. Did they get it right? What did they get wrong? We'll talk about all that right after this. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Dax Xavier Josiah, the host of ACMG Presents Talk Time Live, the podcast. You want to catch up with all of our podcast shows and hear from some of the hottest names in all of anime, comics, movies, and games, such as... This is Miley Flanagan, the voice of Naruto. This is Stephanie Shea, the voice of Sailor Moon. This is Ruben Langdon, voice of Ken Masters and Dante from Devil May Cry. Hey there, this is Kyle Abair, the voice of Ryu from Street Fighter V. This is Chris Battle, character designer of Teen Titans Go! Here's your chance to check out all of that and more on Talk Time Live.com. TalkTimeLive.com provides all of our ACMG content with new and previous episodes, exclusive interviews, articles, and much more. Visit TalkTimeLive.com and let us help you learn to let go, live life, and love all things ACMG. Talk Time Live. 
This is Tom Gibbis, the voice of Shikamaru Nara from Naruto, and you are listening to ACMG Presents Talk Time Live, and it's not a drag. Do it. And now it's time for our top topic of the week. Ready? Fight! We are back with our talk topic of the week, and this is my review of Yu Yu Hakusho, the live adaptation from Netflix based on one of the greatest anime and manga series of all time. This series is one of the most sought after series in a while. Um, like I said, this is a long time coming. This series should have gotten a live adaptation or something. It is, should have, it is finally getting its flowers and I'm very happy for it because I grew up loving this series at like i said it before this was second to only dragon ball z at the time um i would damn sure i would i would dare say if not for this we probably would have bleach bleach kind of has a vibe of yu yu haka show in it and i often would say that bleach was like a second generation a new generation yu yu haka show to say the least um both characters are kind of like, you know, rebels <laughs> in, in a lot of ways. They kind of defy. Uh, Yusuke Yurameshi actually is a even bigger rebel. Like he ditches classes all the time. He, um, you know, he smokes. He uh, just doesn't care about authority at all. You know, he he's just, he's a problematic kid. Um, he lives with his mom, who's like a single family. They never talk about the father in this case. And there's a reason why. But in a lot of ways, you know, this, you know, he's another, you know, misunderstood kid. He actually does have a heart of gold, but he just, he shields that. Um, he has this girl Keiko that he is, you know, he has a crush on, he have a, you know, on again, off again type of fling of a, you know, relationship would, you know, by saying it's not really relationship, they never really, you know, you know, they never really reveal each other's feelings, at least until the end, near the end of this series. But, so, you know, he's on a path of becoming a spirit detective and he gets this path because he ends up saving a kid from, you know, getting hit by a uh, truck. The truck actually hits uh, Yusuke and turns out because he selfishly and altruistically, if you will, just save this kid from getting killed they decide to you know give him a second chance so he comes back as a spirit detective but he has to be able to take out uh yukai or demons and whatnot and ghosts and you know do him you know investigative services if you will he's pretty much a cop um in his case and he has these new abilities and whatnot and he's going after these other demon yukai uh, characters and ends up you know befriending some of them he also has this you know budding rivalry with uh karama uh kuobara who's his like you know neighborhood you know rival slash friend in here and he ends up in 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 the in the, in the uh anime series Kuwabara actually has some spiritual energy within him as well. Him and his sister that turns out that they can see spirits. They can see Yukai, if you will, 
like anything else so he could see things that other people can see so he ends up teaming up with yusuke and they they're budding they're budding rivalry and becomes a more closer friendship and then they end up working with he and kurama and you know and, and stuff like that so it's it's a really awesome thing the fight scenes in the anime was awesome the sagas in there was awesome there was really no filler episodes in yu yu haka show at all and that's what made i think made that so great um they avoided themselves of really little filler episodes in there so you just got story after story after story that just developed and it made for one of the best anime series around at the time for some reason they stopped people stopped talking about yu yu haka show they really didn't give it the love that it deserved and then all of a sudden naruto and bleach and um you know all these other you know deals full metal alchemist came out and all these other deals came out this new generation of anime came out but nobody was talking about yu yu haka show they were still talking about you know dragon ball z but like a lot of the new anime fans weren't privy to that because they weren't showing it and they didn't have as many episodes as nar um as dragon ball either but within those episodes was one of the greatest sagas ever and what shonen jump is always known for one of their signature storytelling is tournament sagas there's been a lot of tournament sagas you know you can name it you know dragon ball z is full of them naruto uh uh my hero academia none of them none of them maybe dragon ball with the exception of dragon ball none of them compares to the dark tournament saga and now that we have a live adaptation of this the one thing hardcore fans of this show was asking because one of the characters one of the main villains that we got to see in this in this first season was the Tagoro brothers and the younger Tagoro brother is one of the badass characters ever in anime like this dude is no joke he's a he's a former i believe he's a former spirit detective trained by um trained uh, uh, trained to be a spirit detective and then he uh ends up becoming a demon because he didn't want to age and he he was in love with genkai who was yusuke's teacher and they ended up <clears throat> they ended up uh becoming lovers but then because he merged with an actual uh he merged with pretty much a a demon they lost touch with each other and he just ended up being you know the worst dude ever and one of the most powerful dudes ever as well they all ended up be you know and, and by the second season of the series they all ended up in, uh, invited to this tournament called the Dark Tournament Saga. It was an underground tournament. And turns out, like, it just became one of the best things ever. So, the question is, was, there, were, was Netflix going to be able to capitalize on this? Well, yes and no. And the, the, I think the things that they got right was awesome and the things that they got wrong wasn't much but it was major so we're going to talk about all that right now and i'm going to give my pros and cons of what i thought 
about this and i will say this there's more way more pros than cons in this and we talked about fantastic four and the rise of the silver surfer uh in the last segment we're gonna bring that back again in comparison because i think this is one of those situations where one thing didn't happen and people are going to automatically say that this is bad i'm here to say yu yu haka show the first five seasons and it was only five episodes i mean seasons first five episodes i should say was actually way better than i thought it was extremely entertaining i was from start to finish i was really impressed with what they did in terms of um action scenes fight choreography um special effects cgi whatnot they went all out and it was just this one thing that kind of just put a little bit of a damper on the entire series um and i think i understand why this happened and it relates to another live adaptation anime series that netflix brought out before in fear of this and i would say it might have to do with you know what happened with um cowboy bebop it was a this was only a five episode series one hour each about literally like roughly an hour each and what they did was cover basically they basically covered virtually all of season one and slightly they merged what they did was they condensed season one which is yusuke becoming the spirit detective and everything and then slightly some of season two and put it all in one pot now what they because of this they had to take out some really important elements of the storytelling to take they, in other words they took liberties with the story which you knew they were going to do to some extent um they, but they followed the base story really well i thought they did a really good job you know following the base story very well so there are scenes for instance like when yusuke does die and the spare detectives have to you know they're, they're um he becomes a spare detective and they decide to bring him back to life the, in, the, in the anime and in the manga it is um who is it it is, it is his girlfriend uh keiko who basically gets informed it will it's kuwabara both kuwabara and keiko basically are told you know yusuke's telling them like i'm still alive i need you to do a, a b and c in order to bring me back so they do this but also the situation is like you've seen in in, in the uh in a live adaptation series his house catches on fire so they have to you know find a way to get him out of there but what they did in the actual in in, in the netflix series is that they cut a lot of that so in in the series kuwabara doesn't save him keiku does um which is kind of still on air but it's it they kind of rushed they had to rush that because they're cramming everything at once so that was taken out um another part that they one thing that they didn't take out was um going to get going up against uh he and karama to get the three items so they brought that in there there was 
a lot of great fanfare moments. There was a lot of moments that you would recognize from the anime that they reprise in a live motion. They just couldn't do it all. And again, if you're this, if you're getting a budget to only do five episodes and you got to make those five episodes good, you know, it's, it, and this is the part that people don't understand. And I get it. I, I, I feel the same way, but this is how things work. They were giving only five episodes and in those five episodes they had to find a way to make it all happen make it feel like the yu yu hawker show that we love but also make it enough for only five episodes and, and, and make it work so something had to be sacrificed and it's unfortunate that one of our favorite sagas may have gotten sacrificed from the now say just may I don't know what they're doing from this, but I'll just say between for episode one and episode two, it felt like the original series. They capitalized a lot of elements of what we saw from the original series. It's probably when episode three, four and five come in is when things start to rush and be altered a little bit. Um, but again, the reason why I'm not sweating this is because it's like, it's hard for me personally, it's hard for me to be mad about what they did here. When we've been watching Mar the Marvel Cinematic Universe for 11 years, and they take these stories from the actual comics. For those who read the comics, they know this. They take these stories from the actual comics and they take liberties of their own and they have to change things around. Now, the difference is here, between this and the Marvel Cinematic Universe is that Marvel has smartly branded it the Marvel Cinematic Universe, meaning this is the part of the multiverse. So the comic book version still exists in its own entity, but the Marvel Cinematic Universe is not basically, even though they call it Earth 616, which the comic book universe is known as the Prime Universe. This is the Prime Cinematic Universe, I guess. and earth 616 in the cinematic universe is a contrast from other ones and they've they've already established that this is there's a multiverse out there because now we're at the multiverse saga of marvel so they are able to get away with that this one not entirely so much because they haven't established a multiverse version where they can say that like this is you know different from the actual you know universe this is like a just a lot of adaptation but they did the same formula in the sense that they took liberties to make everything fit so this is not the exact accurate telling of the yu yu hawkasho story but because of restraints of you know episodes they weren't afforded nine episodes they were afforded only five they were able to do what they could to do it and i get it now, with that said, what they were able to do in those five episodes, I thought they did absolutely great. And let's talk about that. Let's talk about the pros. I thought the the, the uh, characters were convincing. They were very good convincing portrayals, both the sub and the dub version. It really felt like the that was Yusuke Yurameshi I was looking at. Um, you know, it felt Kurobara. I think doing Yusuke is a little bit easier. Doing Kurobara may be a little bit harder because you got this. He has to, Kurobara is also comedy relief. You know what I'm saying? Like, like he, he's like a rough, tough, rugged dude, but he's also a goof. 
<laughs> okay, so um, I thought they did a good job with uh, Kurobara in there. I thought he, he was um, pretty damn good. I thought Keiko played, you know, just like Keiko in the series. She was very sweet. He a thought he did a good job here. Um, let's do the names, proper names. Takomi Kitamura was Yusuke Urameshi, and I thought he did a good job. I thought the look of him, the costume design, everything, he, uh, he looked pretty good. He played the part. He really embellished that bad boy role in there. So I thought that was really good. Um, Kanata Hong, uh, Hongo played Hiei. You got to play that role right. You know, and he 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 rocked with it. He, he played the role perfectly. Um, Kurama was another really challenging one because you got this really laid back swag dude, but he, he's also silent but deadly. Now I thought he did a good job. Joan uh, Shishun played that role, and I thought he did a really good job too. Um, Botan, also another comedy relief of the bunch as well. I thought um, Katane Furukawa did really well. There were times that like she was really, she was really giddy. <laughs> I thought she did. Uh, she did a really fantastic job. But when it comes to Kuwabara Kazuma. That was a hard one because you got to be comedy relief, but you also got to be hard news too. And the one thing that one thing that people got really mad at when it came to this guy, uh, the actor uh, Shuhei, uh, Shuhei uh, Usagi, is basically just because the hair. Now in the con in, in a manga and in the um, in the anime, Kuobara is known for his signature hairstyle, which is like an old school pompadour thing, which is like something that in Japan, like, all right, pompadours were out in like the sixties for here in America, but in Japan, they st it, it's like a subculture. I don't know if they still do it, but it was like a subculture of people who were rock pompadours. Like that was their thing. Japan was kind of late when it came to, you know, learning about pop culture in America. Like, I believe they learned about the moonwalk years later after Michael Jackson did it. But let me tell you, I'm not mad at the cool because one, you got to modernize this thing. You got to modernize this, this situation. I'm not mad about this. I'm not mad at all that he didn't have the pompadour. I thought his hairstyle was cool. It was good enough. And if you look at it, it was more like a faux hawk. So I was, you know, it's like a modern day take on a new hairstyle. It's okay. The fact of the matter is he still played the role really well. He did the comedy bits well. He did the action pack bits well too. Um, I thought he did great. I thought he did great. Now, at some point you got to modernize things. You can't get mad at this, but then not get mad at the idea that Peter Parker has a smartphone. Because if you read any of the comic books in the eighties, the seventies, the sixties, or even 63, when Amazing Fantasies first came out, they had no cell phones back then. They had none of that stuff back then. Like, you gotta modernize certain situations, and that was one of them. You, you, like, if he's not, if they, if Japan is not rocking pompadours today, you can't get mad at that. Like, you're not gonna have everything you want in here, okay? That's here or there. As long as he played the role well, that's all I care about. And he played Kuobar. He, he, he felt like Kuobar to me. I, I really enjoyed him. Um, no, nah, no, nah, it, it was it was all good. It was all good for me. I, I really enjoyed all the cast in here. Everybody felt like um, the people that I've seen in the show 
and whatnot. I thought it was great. Like I said, the great, the costume design was very much on point. Every single character wore exactly the same, um, exactly the same costumes that was from the anime and the, and the manga. Every like they didn't. This is not one of those situations. Like again, one of the beefs that people used to have back in the day is when like you talk about the Giver and you talk about like other like go watch go watch guyver was cool to an extent like guyver's suit was great but the zoonoids looks like like crap um there were others go i challenge you go watch fist of the north star the the movie the live movie that that hbo made decades ago go watch fist of the north star the live adaptation movie with downtown julie brown and and, and uh melvin van peebles in there guarantee you this is eons and i mean eons better than that go watch king of fighters yeah i bet some people forgot didn't realize that there was a king of fighters yeah, you know the video game the fighting game there is a movie a live adaptation movie of king of fighters go watch that and didn't watch this go i mean like i can name a ton hey, you know what's even worse about the king of fighters movie that was in the 2000s go watch that movie and then you look at this and tell me this is bad they put so much into this the budget regardless of it being five episodes within those five episodes that budget was huge they did not scale back on the cgi budget for this on the special effects on the fight career they they made sure that this was an appropriate telling in, a, in, a, in an appropriate and accurate portrayal of the characters, of the presence, of the presentation, it all felt like Yu Yu Hakusho. Like I was the first two episodes, actually all through the damn series, I was all into it. Um, the CGI was fantastic. I thought they did a great job. It was like, I felt like it was a little bit above like the Flash. Cause if you watched the Flash um, when it was out, you know, that was like one of the first series in the u.s where you notice they started really putting in the budget they really like the flash episodes was like unlike any any superhero series that you've ever seen before the budget where was really huge i felt like they stepped this up this was almost like marvel comic marvel uh studios level uh cgi that they put in here like the the transformations of aliens and all the in 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 the uh i mean not aliens but demons and all the you know Tagoro and all the other like it really they did a really great job this the special effects were in, in cgi was just awesome here um we talk about the, the uh, action scenes fast paced and action-packed fight scenes it didn't hold back this reminded me of uh knights of the zodiac where the one good thing i i, I gave them credit for was the action scenes I thought it was very fast paced. It was action packed. It stepped it up. It felt like they weren't holding back. Um, it like every one of those fights were awesome. Every one. Of, and, and also, I will say this too: like when you watch Hiei run, when you watch them like zip by. It, if you watch the anime, the anime's fight scenes are very fast paced, and they had to they had to really mimic that. And I thought mission accomplished. They did that. It felt like these guys were just you know zooming through one place to another. PA is running to you know uh and and it was like it was exactly like it was like they really 
mimicked a lot of what they got from the anime and i i definitely appreciate it like i've watched you i always i've watched you you hawker show more times than i could even say and i know how this thing should run and this thing ran perfectly um like i said the first half of this was like really slightly more accurate and, and well paced in the first two episodes um i really enjoyed that it really you know for fanfare purposes you know from a storytelling purposes i felt it was you know with a few liberties being taken i felt they did do that justice right and actually honestly the whole thing they kind of did accurate but again because they only had five episodes they had to do what they could and i and again i'll talk about why i think there was a strategic reason why they did that um as far as the english adr you know um acting and the writing thought it, i thought they did a great job i had no issue i had no problems i didn't stick out now one of the things that people were pissed off about was the fact that justin cook and the rest of the cast of the anime which everybody loves i love justin cook justin cook is fantastic as yusuke you're messy justin cook is the adr director as well of the anime series and he's worked on that series thoroughly not just as an actor but also as you know behind the scenes and everything too so um a lot he he pretty much was uh chris saba saba uh sabin of this like chris sabin people don't know is like the voice of vegeta but he's also worked behind the scenes he has his own studio and he works behind the scenes of you know for funimation and crunchyroll of all of the anime not just dragon ball but a lot of the anime that he works on uh he also plays piccolo as well but um he's he always works behind the scenes and all this too and he's another tremendous actor um as well but justin cook was the voice of yusuke Yurameshi for um us and we loved it we love his voice but in terms of trying to use that same voice for a live adaptation i don't think it would have been great and i'm glad that they went about the way that they did because this is a live adaptation version and somebody was somebody kind of was a little bit dismissive online about that and was telling me like you know it's still just one of those anime voice i'm like first of all they're all actors and they're all established actors two just because a person can do that on an anime doesn't mean they could cross over to do it not it doesn't work for everybody like it worked for johnny on bush when um and, and and stephanie shea when um when they did the live action bleach movie because they were able to try to you know to make you know to adapt to it but when you listen to justin cook's voice on the show it's very cartoony in a sense um it's very hyperactive and cartoony whereas like this version of yusuke is a little bit laid back but he's still a little bit angry at times but he's it, it's more realistic so they got a voice to really pattern that and i think the voice that they had for that was really well done i don't know who this guy who the actor was because imdb doesn't show it on air for some reason as of yet um that i thought they i thought it did really well on air i thought everybody's voice did really well on here um the voices on air i thought it matched like again the actor who originally does cool bar for the anime for the u.s version of the anime extremely cartoony you couldn't do that because they are a little bit subtle than before and it has to be it has to sound realistic and if you heard cool bar's voice in the anime you know really people don't really talk like that <laughs> it don't even sound like that when they talk so 
the cool bar on the voice of the English version of the cool bar on here sounded way more appropriate than there. It just, it is what it is. And I'll take note. Yes. Johnny and Bosch and Stephanie Shea did do that role and it did do the role, um, in the live action adaptation, but for some reason that didn't go for, um, what is the other actor? I'm going to my website right now. Yeah, Michelle Ruff did not was I, for some reason. And we talked about that. If you go, go to um, talktimelive.com in the media page, I you actually I actually do the panel for uh, with Johnny M. Bush and Stephanie Shea and Michelle Ruff. And we talk about that because I bring up the Bleach live uh, action, uh, the live adaptation movie that uh, Warner Brothers Japan did. And those two got to reprise the role. But for some reason, Michelle Ruff did not. There was no she, they, she never clarified or confirmed and they asked her while I was on the panel why you know why did that happen it's just weird that way but sometimes you know it happens they just feel like they it doesn't fit the format so they change up I'll give another example Christopher Judge as Kratos and the new God of War deal now I will always question they could have found another way to get TC Carson back but the reason being that he did is because they wanted him to do motion capture and he's the right height and size to play that role. I, that's totally understandable. I wonder if David Jaffe was still doing God of War, would he have changed Kratos? I think he would have found a way to keep TC Carson on there and make it, but that that's what they chose. The new regime that's doing God of War decided they wanted to go another direction with it and they needed somebody to fit that direction and Christopher Jones was that person. I don't think that was a bad choice at all. As we know, we love that game. <laughs> we all love that game to death, uh, especially the new expansion that just came out. If you go check out Select Start, I give my thoughts on that. You know, check it out there. But um, it, it, yeah, it, it's um, it just happens, man. So I, I really enjoyed both the subs and the dubs. I listened to both. Um, enjoyed them all. I thought they did a great job. I thought they did an absolutely great job on in terms of. Um, the English portrayals and the ADR aspect of the uh, of the voice roles there. And again, all of them, the voice acting was just solid. Now, this is the part where it gets really crazy. The cons, which is not much, it's just two, but they're major. One of which is that by the middle of the series, you can see that they were rushing part, you know, parts of the story. And when I say they crammed and condensed everything together, it led to the idea that we're not getting the dark tournament saga and that's where things that's with my other con today um to my knowledge i don't know I, I feel like we're going if they if there is another season to this that we're going straight to the um to the suichi uh saga which is the saga of um yusuke going up against the uh original spirit detective suichi see if, I, if i'm spelling this right suichi hanaka wait is that him i'm trying to say i'm looking right online um no it's it's um in the third season he's going to face off against um one of the characters uh that used to be the original he he was like the original uh spare detective but he ended up coming across Oh, Sensui. That's what that that's um Is this him? Yes, it is. Okay. Not Suichi. It's Sensui. Uh Shinobu. 
he ends up coming across Sensu uh, Sensui, who is the original spare detective, and come turns out that Sensui uh, uh, Sensui came across this VHS tape. This is how old this series is. They were still we were still under VHS. Like when I when I first watched this show, it was through VHS tape trading. Okay, so like that tells you right there. But this tape that he found that was in the demon world was called chapter black and chapter black basically is this it's like the ultimate snub film snuff film not snub not snub it's the ultimate snuff film where it just shows death everywhere the most evil and unethical and merciless things that ever happened on earth for decades on end it, it's all on this one tape and he watched this tape and it warped him it warped his mind to a point that he ended up wanting to he wanted to basically change the way things were so after the chapter black saga you know we also got an appearance of the um the older Tagoro brother because the older Tagoro brother which is like this really short really crazy demon-esque you know deal who can you know manipulate his body into doing some crazy things he ends up dying at well he ends up exploding at the hands of the younger Tagoro and during the dark tournament saga and all the stuff but he does come back during the chapter black saga and it's very interesting how he comes back and how Sensui um ends up you know utilizing him to that extent it just it really unfortunately you know upset people because the dark tournament saga was just so great and we wanted to see that fleshed out even if they stressed it out to a second season we wanted to see it and it looks like that's not happening it looks like they're going right to the chapter black saga which again i totally understand possibly why this happened and it goes back to cowboy bebop remember we got cowboy bebop which was another original live adaptation series and one of which i will i will say i didn't had i didn't have any issue with that at all i don't know why people had beef with that i don't know i thought they did a pretty damn good job with that um i thought uh cho you know um cho did pretty awesome as the role of spike um they did take some liberties with it they did add on some elements of the story that we you know the backstories of what we never got to see and i thought it was good i thought it was really good you know now albeit not accurate to an extent like but i thought they did a pretty good job with it um i can watch it and enjoy it again i i don't i don't see the beef but we are in a society full of people who just are not satisfied and i think it has nothing to do with the content that they're watching i think it has a lot to do with what's going on in the world that's just my that's just my perspective that's my hypothesis if you will a lot of times people are just gonna you know nitpick whine and cry about everything if people actually looked at not only themselves on social media but how other people act on social media and just sit back and just now don't comment and just read some of the things and how negative people are and how toxic they've become i think people will probably reassess themselves and probably enjoy things better i think a lot of times people don't enjoy things that are actually more enjoyable than they make it is because they're not enjoying whatever's going on in their world 
And because of that, a lot of times people like to displace their anger on other things, things that probably is unwarranted. And if you do that, you ruin any chance of actually enjoying something. Now, if somebody who doesn't have any negative, you know, aspect of their life, their life, they're not living a toxic life, then you may actually enjoy things a lot better than the other person who does have a toxic life and doesn't able to enjoy things. They're going to be grumpy smurf all the time. They're going to just hate on everything without even just assessing it, just observing it and really just saying, well, you know, I actually do appreciate this now that I have a different light, but I guarantee you people who don't got crap going on in their life will enjoy things better than those who do. I, 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 I will, I will bet you money on it because that's what happens. A lot of times when people have, you know, live good lives and healthy mental, mentally healthy lives, they tend to enjoy a lot of things that other people don't. And when other people are just going through crap, everything is crap to them. Prove me wrong on that. <laughs> but in the case of Cowboy Bebop, we got to see the first season of it. More episodes than Yu Yu Hakusho, mind you. And at the end, they were teasing one of, a fan favorite character. Unfortunately, it's too little too late because Netflix, you know, they listen to the trolls. They listen to the negativity and they just decided to not support it and they canceled it. And I think that was a wrong decision of Netflix. I, I thought they didn't understand the culture. They didn't understand the ideology of that culture and what they were really doing. I think people would have watched second season. It still would have got them views. It still would have got them people to watch it regardless. I guarantee people to watch Cowboy Bebop season two, especially because they were adding on anything. Um, but it just wasn't fleshed out for some reason. Um, this one wasn't either. I think the reason why they have five, uh, you know, they crammed everything to five episodes because it's, it's no guarantee. And take the words of the late, great um, Kevin Conroy, who, when I asked him a question at the press interview, which you can watch on talktimelive.com, by the way, on the uh, exclusive page, he said there's absolutely no guarantee that there's going to be another episode. There's no guarantee for another season because if people start, you know, if there's low ratings on the first or first season or even first episodes, it's going to get canceled. And we've seen that before. Apparently this is again, if you think you know what you're talking about, go check out my interviews. They will tell you how things really go and behind the scenes of the industry that we all love and watch. And we think that we know about it's not an instant that they get a they get uh approved for a new episode or a new season automatically because i thought like once like batman the animated series popped off so good that it led to justice league unlimited and all that stuff which it did to an extent but he didn't know because he didn't know if he was coming back for episode two and three or four of batman the animated series it's happened a lot i talked to molly flanagan who's been a part of both you know animated voice uh voices she's done animated voice roles she also does you know live action movies and tv series um just last just this year she did um not dead yet she was on that show they don't know if they're getting a second season they don't she don't even know if she's coming back for that season they don't know they don't they just don't know like you'll be glad to get another season let alone two or three seasons so I'm saying this because I think the reason why I believe 
I could be wrong, but it just seems coming off that way. But I believe the reason why this was crammed into five episodes is because they were only given five episodes to see how it goes, to see how people like it. But also, if they could get all of that in, in case they get canceled, then at least they could say that they got the Tagoro saga out of the way. And at the end of it, they did leave a little bit of a end credit with older Tagoro in a beach, still alive, being picked on by a seagull, which means that's leading in to the ch uh, chapter Black Saga. Unfortunately, it means that we won't see a if they if, which means also that tells me like Netflix may not have total faith in this, but they're giving it enough to push it. They're giving it enough to really get the hype in to see if it, how it's going to fit. So we'll see. We'll see if they get a second season. I'm hoping that it does because I do want to see the chapter Black Saga. But if not, at least we got the first five episodes of it. But a lot of it stems from us. We have to like it in order for them to do it. Now, I think because they're not total transparent about what they're doing behind the scenes we don't really know what's going on so we just suspecting we're just suspecting it as much as we possibly can we can give opinions and views and perspectives all we want we don't totally know it's a no but it giving the amount of episodes given the fact that i know for a fact that like based on what i've interviewed the, the um the stuff that people that i interviewed told me i'm I'm going off the cuffs of, and I've been said I was right before in a lot of things when I talked to some of these people about my suspects about certain things that goes on. A lot of it stems from my own experiences with working with people as well, both in entertainment and other businesses as well, of how this role, because a lot of things are, a lot of those things are quite similar. But I just think that they crammed it in, not because they wanted to, because they had to. And we'll see it depends on how well we give it but a lot of people don't realize if you don't support these things netflix is going to cancel it other networks are going to cancel stuff like that if we don't support it and if we don't understand why we're not we need to support it that's going to help too so um for the most part it felt like from what i was reading online and comments from people that they liked what they saw but it just felt rushed but i guarantee you a lot of people don't know why and there, I, I believe there's a reason for that. It's not like, it's not an artistic direction. I think it's a matter of circumstance. So, cause otherwise I don't see why they wouldn't want to do the dark tournament saga. And they, and I, I would be hard pressed to believe that they don't know that people want to see the dark tournament saga. They read these comments or they have somebody read those comments. And I'm pretty sure within those comments, everybody was talking about dark tournament saga because the Tagoro brothers are in it. And when you got the Tagoro brothers in it, you got to do it. And the other reason I think that this is not the dark tournament saga is not happening is because one of the main bad guys, and I forgot that dude's name and I'm trying to find it right now because he offed himself in this whole thing like the, the guy who was who was financing this whole thing and i think i might have no that's not him i did like the fact they had gonzo in here too um they got a guy to play gonzo in here and i thought he was pretty dope but um i 
the, the dude immediately offed himself here. <laughs> and he was like, I forgot his name. He was the main, you know, guy who financed the entire competition and tournament or whatnot. So instead of them doing a dark tournament saga, they wind up doing like just a competition within the, you know, below the decks and whatnot. So they changed kind of the story aspect of it, you know, kind of having the dark tournament esque type of experience, but it was, it was very, 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 it was very short, uh, shortened. Um, I'm really trying to find the name of the guy who ran the damn thing. Um, Sensui Yusuke. Oh, what is the guy name of the dark tournament saga? I can't find him, but nonetheless yeah they, they really rushed the hell out of it um it's unfortunate that they did and as a result they also didn't kill gonzo wasn't supposed to live either that was another thing like there were there were some things that they did that wind up you know just had to they had to change they had to format but with that said even though they had to put it all in and cram it all together and condense it i still enjoyed it I still enjoyed what I saw with a slight understanding of why they did. And I have, I have, at the end of the day, I have less issue of it than anything. I would have loved to have seen the Dark Terminus Saga fleshed out in full, but two things. One, they spent a lot of money on those five episodes and they, with no guarantee of getting any pushback off of a, again, we talked about Iron Man and how it was like taking a risk on a second tier character. They kind of took a risk on this too. So giving it five episodes was enough to say, okay, let's see what you could do. We're going to give you the budget to make this happen, but we're going to need to see this come back in full with viewerships and, and, and positive portrayals. So it's a risk that they're taking. I thought if you look at this as a, in a whole, you got to look at this, you got to kind of like, look at this in the same way that you would look at a marvel movie it's a it's a ip based on the a, a a manga series you know a comic book series in an anime and you gotta make it work but also make it feel like the familiar uh fanfare that we're all accustomed to i think they did that even though they didn't give us everything that we want guess what neither did iron man neither did incredible hulk neither did spider-man and trust me there's a lot of things they left out like if you talk about the whole infinity you know war story they got a lot of what they have from the book but i could tell you what parts they changed right from the beginning like when hawk when hawk got his ass whipped by thanos and hemdol you know teleported him back into earth first of all that never happened in the comics that never happened in the comics. And when he hit this, uh, this, uh, you know, the, uh, Centurium, the Sanctum Centurium, it wasn't Bruce Banner who crashed into that. It was the Silver Surfer. So they took liberties with that. And I had no issue with that because the Silver Surfer wasn't established in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. So they needed somebody to do that because that was a very pivotal scene in the comics. Who was going to take over that role? How would it make sense for them to do it? I thought using Bruce Banner was perfect to do that and by the way that version of that version of the hawk in infinity war was not in infinity gauntlet it was professor hawk when hawk when gray hawk bruce banner 
and the green hawk combined together to become like this ultimate hawk that is which by end game we did see we got a chance to see so there's a lot of liberties that marvels took with them and we love in game and we love infinity war you got to give some little bit of love to you you show you can't say you didn't like this but then you're going to say you love the infinity saga because they took a lot of liberties morphing it into something that felt right to the continuity but they had to take liberties with it and then they also had minimum hour and a half to two to three hours to tell that story that was in the comic books and it was like issues upon issues plus crossover issues this is the same thing this is exactly the same thing so when you think about that you got to think on that note they did the exact same thing with Yu Yu Hakusho that they did there it to me it doesn't matter I thought overall they did a great job albeit it didn't you know have the dark tournament saga now I thought that would have really been good but overall if I'm going to give this a grade I'm going to give this a I'm going to give this a I want to say B actually I'm going to give it a B plus I'm giving it a B plus because the fight scenes the actor portrayal the CGI the dub the dub ADR um acting in right in ADR writing I thought it was all done well what they put together was all well it felt like the Yu Yu Hakusho show I was familiar with and that was that in spite of the fact that they had to take a little bit of liberties and we're not getting the dark tournament unfortunately it's a damper but I can't take away from what I saw and what I enjoyed I could watch this again and enjoy it some from start to finish um but I can't say in my heart of hearts that I didn't like the, the liberties that they took here but I like what they did with Marvel Studios because they did the exact same thing Marvel Studios did the exact same thing with virtually every single one of their intellectual properties. If you read the comics and you watch the movies, you know exactly what it is. So I have no beef with this at all. None at this case, but I, I, I love the dark tournament saga that much that I can only give it a B plus at best, um, because I really want to see all of the other characters involved in the dark tournament saga and the teams and all the stuff we still didn't get to see cool Barra's sister uh get added in here too because of time constraint and whatnot so i mean there was there was some things missing out but again if they do get another season we're gonna see chapter black so maybe the sister will actually cool Barra's sister will be added on to there as well amongst other things too so we'll see how that goes because chapter black was pretty dope and that also is a uh, evolution of yusuke's character and we discover a lot of things about yusuke during that time so i i really hope that they do it i hope there's enough support of this but i hope there's enough enough understanding of what they did in this as well so we'll we'll see about that so folks that will do it for this edition for the final episode of 2023 i hope you guys enjoyed i hope you guys enjoyed all of the shows that we did this year all of the interviews that we got to have and all of the special things that we were able to do this year i hope you guys enjoyed it all and i thank you all for taking the time to download every single episode or as many episodes as you possibly could um i am also very thankful for this year's guests molly flanagan uh sam volley who, who else did i had in here this year i had quite a few this year um Amanda C. Miller, who was the last person I had on here, you know, Molly Flanagan, Jeffrey Thorne, 
Um, who else did I have in here as well? Sam Volley as well. I believe I had this year. I believe I had him this year. Um, but everybody who's ever been on this show, period. Just thank you all. Like Yannick Bezel, Kyle Aber, um, Chamba, you know what I'm saying? Brian O'Halloran, you know, everybody who, Megan Rand, the voice of this show, uh, DJ Cutman, the, the man behind the music of this show, you know, if everybody, you know, Danielle Kennedy, the whole entire cast of Naruto, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Anybody who's ever been on the show, thank you for eight awesome years. I believe we're going into year nine soon, um, into the year, uh, into 2024. So, um, I don't know who was, I never know what's going to happen. I just go along with the journey and go through here, but I'm more than appreciative. Um, you know, shout out to Sunday night's main event, the, um, Canadian wrestling, uh, group that I, you know, frequent every once in a while. And I'm on their show too. Boris, Roberto Aguilar, the new man behind the entire franchise. Now, you know, shout out to him and thank them for, you know, allowing me to be on their platform to talk one of my other favorite fandoms and still talk about this show every once in a while as well. So really appreciate it. It's really a great, great, uh, time just being a part of all this. So thank you guys. It's been awesome. Now, like I said before, I'm going to be uh, officially on vacay at this time, a little break. So no more, no more reviewing anything <laughs> for a minute, even though Aquaman is coming out and what if coming out, I'll follow up with them when I come back for best of 2023 promise, but I will put up the Tom Gibbous episode and the Bob camp episode for you guys to check out and enjoy from there. So trust me, you're going to want to, you know, learn at, you know, Shikamaru Naru dude had a really pretty cool career um aka molly's yoga partner but that's a whole nother story <laughs> that part for there that's another reason why i should get him back on the show too um bob camp is the co-creator of the ren and stimpy show the legendary cartoon the uh, i would definitely say the better half of the two because the other one uh yeah google that one Okay. Um, Google reason why I will never have that guy on the show, but thank goodness for Bob Cam for maintaining the legacy of Ren and Stimpy because, um, they almost lost out on that with the controversy that happened with that situation. But that's a, that's a crazy situation there. But, um, you know, I'll, I'll get a chance to, you know, post that back when I was one of my, uh, first generation guests on air. So enjoy that as well while we're gone until the new year. So if you like this episode and every episode, again, talk time live is our official website for all things, anime, comics, movies, and games. Please visit that website, go to our podcast page. You can, all of our audio episodes are on air. If you are looking for a particular episode, you can find it in there and all the archives are there. We have a search engine. If you want to just look for our exclusive audio versions, just type in the word exclusive. They'll come up. If you are looking for uh, select start reviews, type in select start. All those will come up with all the reviews that I've worked on this year, last year, prior to or on there. If you want to see and watch the video versions of uh, some of these episodes, you can go to the drop down menu on podcast and it's TTL exclusive videos are there and you can see all video versions of some of these episodes on air and some great interviews with some of the best and our favorite fandoms there as well that I had the pleasure of actually getting a chance to interview. Also our media page consists of some really cool stuff too. My appearance on Sunday night's main event, uh, on TSN radio, my first time there. And that's what led to all the me being, you know, 
on multiple episodes of podcasts from that point. Um, and then on top of that, my working with Repop in 2021, where my uh, I moderated panels for Bleach, I matter the cast of Bleach, the cast of Sailor Moon, uh, the cast. I also did a uh, Sailor Moon fan trivia. I also did a Naruto fan trivia that is for some reason not there. I actually have the copy of myself, but um. <laughs> Uh, I also got that time I got reincarnated as a slime. I did a panel for that. I did a panel for the, it, like the main cast of My Hero Academia. You can see a clip of that. The OG Pokemon cast. You can see that as well, and just some other cool things in there as well. Right, we got a blog page that has a lot of things. Go to the blog page because there's my Q and A earlier this year. By the way, thank you to the people of Fan Expo, uh, you know, for allowing me to be a part of that because I got to check out a very awesome Q and a with the one and only Peter Cullen that you can find there as well. And I will say one of my best filmed and recorded episode, um, you know, uh, you know, videos ever bar none. Like there's nothing compared to that. It, it's awesome. It's been well received by everybody who's watched it. Um, it, it's just been awesome. Go also check out the highlights from fan expo as well, as well as the highlights from New York comic-con this year. And I also have, a clip, a awesome clip of um, my take with uh, Robert Kirkman talking about Invincible, but also talking about how Omni-Man entered Mortal Kombat 1, which he is now available on that game right now. So you can go check that out amongst other things as well that's on air. Some things that you might actually like, you can go check it out. So if you are a fan of, you know, listening to podcasts on your favorite podcast platform. We're pretty much everywhere podcasts are played. You know, we're talking Spotify, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Podbean, TuneIn, Audible, Pocket Casts, everywhere. We're, we're just, we're in new places as well. I just, I stopped naming them after a while because once you get past that much, it's this there. If you have the Amazon Echo device, all you got to say is play ACMG Presents Talk Time Live. My show will pop up on your Echo device. So there you have it. We're all, we're everywhere. Podcasts are playing people. So that will do it for me for the year of 2023. On behalf of myself, this is Dak Xavier Josiah saying, learn to let go, live life, and love all things anime, comics, movies, and games. This is ACMG Presents Talk Time Live. We are out of here for the year of 2023, and we will see you in 2024 with the best of. 2023. Take care. Music for this episode is provided by Game Chops. Check out these great chiptune tracks and more at music.gamechops.com.